welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point. Because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Go the podcast. I wish everyone was here to see what Samantha popped on the Zoom <laughs> with. Yeah. I haven't seen a bump it like that since 2010. Yeah. Circuit, definitely circa 2010, debatably even 2009. I also saw a meme recently of someone or not. I don't even know if it was a meme. It might have been like a real post of people talking about like bringing it's that's what it was called, right? Bumpets. Mm-hmm. You guys were talking about the hairdo where your like hair literally has a bump at the top. Samantha just like came on the Zoom because she was laying down and made her hair literally look like Snooky. But I, look, I, I got my Jersey roots. Truly, her Jersey was coming through hot and heavy. But no, I swear. I think I literally saw something where someone was talking about like I think well, like a trend coming back of a bumpet, and I was like. <laughs> Have fun, Lord everyone, have with that one. It won't be me. It's always interesting how, like, style-wise, no matter what it is, there's, like, always, like, niche things that stay – I don't even want to say trendy, but just, like, stay true to an area, a region, demographic, where, like, even if it becomes mainstream for a year, a second, whatever it is, like, it's something that's just, like, a mainstay. Timeless. Timeless. The timeless bump it. No, but the seriously, I guarantee you – Jersey there are there are some Jerseyans that absolutely think a bump it is timeless the surprising thing (laughs) surprising thing is like Guidos aren't just a Jersey thing like literally like some of the Jersey short oh my god Jersey Shore casts are actually like not even from Jersey so I'm just saying there's Rhode Island was from Staten Island Staten Island is its its own and that's why they all hated her (laughs) <laughs> is that really? I don't even remember. Maddie is a Jersey Shore aficionado. Like, oh, it's like definitely my favorite show of all time. Deep in the yeah. One other fashion note, really quick fashion note. They're matching. Um, <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> no, like you guys, it's actually bad today. It's actually bad. I mean, not that it's like, and we're both just wearing black long sleeves, but with the same exact neckline as well, which is like, it's a basic, like, it's not crazy that we're both wearing this, but it's just, it couldn't be more classic for us. It's more, okay. So this is the background of that though, is Maddie and I have this habit of showing up places and also showing up to Zooms, to meetings. Like we pop on a Zoom and we go, oh, we're matching again. uh, And then we go, we pop on another one, like, okay. And it happens so consistently and it's so interesting because we both have like different style but similar style like adjacent slash complementary style like there's never a time we've showed up somewhere and like look like what the what in the two no it's true we definitely are very different people and we have very different styles but really yeah every time we show up together like we always are on theme at at the minimum at the maximum we're like matching (laughs) literally to a t like every single thing's the same and i will say too i can confidently say that matching is like one of the most embarrassing things to me. 
like, like I kind of think it's both of our nightmares. I've always thought that too. <laughs> no, a thousand percent. And I don't know like, like do a good job with it, but I'm like, I don't know. There's something about it. Maybe I get the like, same type of like feeling from being overdressed or underdressed. Like that same exact feeling. I feel like, like it's the same as like when you match someone accidentally. Which is more of your worst nightmare? Being underdressed or overdressed? Overdressed. Okay, there we are. There we are. Yeah, There's our and difference. That's, and I and knew I'm... I knew what yours would be. Cause I like really value comfort over everything. Like and <laughs> what? And just Samantha, you don't. You just don't. Because don't. Samantha, we'll be going on, we'll be in New York City doing something that requires us to walk a very long way. And mm-hmm. she will wear her highest of heels regardless. And I like I literally only wear heels like to a club if that ever happens or like a wedding and Sam's just like wearing it walking like 37 blocks across Manhattan and that's just one example of the vast difference between the two of us in that realm but again another example of like why is it that we still end up matching each other all the time I don't know I don't know well I I did want to switch gears to some political stuff I did want to also I forgot to tell you this piece of the next 50 event that I went to last week so everyone i went to our friend zach's event in san francisco for his org the next 50 which is an amazing org that helps elect young candidates into office and ben sheehan who we've had on the show was there speaking and they talked about love the state of everything in politics right now and one of the topics was about like state government and why it's so important to pay attention and Samantha you're gonna absolutely love this because I he made this analogy that was so on point and one that we of course love to see because of you'll see okay so basically he said that in the wings the federal government is like the cast of a reality TV show. Like they are the front facing people, the people that everyone is looking at, watching, and everyone like points their fingers at, like they started the drama, they're the problem, blah, blah, blah. And then the state governments and state legislatures are the producers behind the scenes because they're low key starting all of the drama. They're like telling her to go talk to her and like him to go sit next to her to like stir up the drama. And ultimately like then everyone looks at the federal government and is like, they're the problem. But at the end of the day, behind the scenes, it's all getting churned up in the state government Mm. and being a pipeline into the federal government and like what ends up happening on the national scene. And I just found it to be such a great analogy and one that I think our would very much align with and one that I just wanted to share with the class. Oh, I think that is an excellent show and tell situation and analogy. Mm -hmm. And I think even to take it a step further is the element in which it's like the producers are making the edits. You know, it's like, what do the people actually end up seeing? How are certain people issues and scenarios portrayed? And how are they portrayed at home, right? First mm-hmm. before it even becomes national. So that, wow. Wow. So hopefully that made sense for everyone. But it was, he said that and I like, 
there was like a, a large ish group of people listening. It was like a panel and Ben was on the panel. And I was like, that's such a good analogy. And like just said it out loud in front of everyone. I was like, oh shit. I think I meant to say that in my own head. <laughs> One of those like we will never feel like we're out of a pandemic moments where we like just spent so much isolated time where we like Yeah, like I thought I was on no mute. Cues. Yeah, a thousand percent. <laughs> I thought I was still on mute. Um, but yeah, literally. <laughs> I just wanted to share that with the class because I thought it was so smart and Benchy and so smart and obviously go listen to our episodes with him. But yeah. And speaking of other political things that we like to talk about. Top Stories dropped yesterday. We mm. did have a little hiatus from Top Stories wow. last week and we're back and we went over some very important stories starting mm-hmm. with election updates, which will probably be a running segment in the Top Stories section, honestly, probably for the next oh, like, two years. No, legit. And if you pop into a Top Stories episode and you're like, wait, I thought so-and-so announced, not really sure whatever. We do also have a candidate watch section for Democratic candidates in our GovHub newsletter. So you're going to want to subscribe up. to that. Yeah. GirlOnlyGov.com. It's a little pop-up and you can just plug your email in and you're on the list. Yes. Very important election updates and all of our hot, hot takes on, on those. We have a lot more hot takes on the SCOTUS student debt relief situation happening this week. There's also a SCOTUS, new SCOTUS case around consumer protections. And then Nikki Haley and her campaign promise to do competency tests for older elected officials and her just coming for older electeds and all of our hot takes on that too, because we we go off. I feel like on almost every one of these stories, we go off. And if you haven't listened yet, go listen to the top stories of the week. It's kind of funny. I think people just like get to, you know, tune into our political therapy session. That's pretty much, mm-hmm. but actually get informed at the same time. But speaking of the SCOTUS student debt relief thing, there are a few updates just regarding how it's going because conservative justices holding the Supreme Court's majority seem likely to sink President Joe Biden's plan to wipe away or reduce student loans held by millions of Americans. I don't think we had much hope that this was going to go well in the Supreme Court, but it's not looking good. And in arguments lasting more than three hours Tuesday, Chief Justice John Roberts led his conservative colleagues in questioning the administration's authority to broadly cancel federal student loans because of the COVID-19 emergency. The plan has so far been blocked by Republican appointed judges on lower courts. It was not clear that any of the six justices appointed by Republican presidents would approve of the debt relief program, although Justices Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett appeared most open to the administration's arguments. Interesting. And Amy Coney Barrett, out of all people, may be the justice to watch, but her vote alone wouldn't be enough to save Biden's program. She just stood out among the conservatives for asking particularly pointed questions of the GOP states about their standing arguments, setting her apart as a potential pickup vote for the court's three liberal members. So never what we saw coming for Amy Coney Barrett, just being open minded, but obviously like keep bit up. And then Biden's only hope for being allowed to move forward with his plan appeared to be the slim possibility based on the arguments that the court would find. The Republican-led states and individuals challenging the plan lacked the legal right to sue. So that's the update for today. For more background, again, go listen to Top Stories because we go over all of the details and again, all of our hot takes on the matter. Facts. Also, speaking of another issue, but also an action item, mm-hmm. let's talk about methane. 
yes, methane. (laughs) (laughs) Methane, because methane comes from so many things. One of them being cow's farts. Did you know that? (laughs) I was waiting I did. Okay. I did. You can tell which one of us can handle fart jokes and which one of us dies internally. Yeah. Methane also comes from oil and gas production. And the Biden administration, the EPI, had introduced, unveiled a new rule that just closed in terms of public comment. And this rule would reduce methane, allowable methane emissions related to oil and gas. Now it's sort of that next step phase where it's like, okay, you need to actually get that rule in place and get the get it moving and grooving, for lack yeah. of a better term. We are working with Moms Clean Air Force to make this actually happen by sending the Biden administration slash the EPA a little letter, little pre-written letter that they have been so kind to put together. We will be having that linked in the description of this episode You're going to just pop that link open. You're going to literally do the one, two, threes of name, email, phone number, whatever else to ask for. It's going to autofill and send that note right on its way. Methane, too, is one of those major climate change causers. So actually regulating methane, like it's the pollutant that it is, is very important Mm -hmm. in reducing methane emissions, the impacts that it does have, and just trying to bring bring protection back to our green, green earth. So Mm -hmm, indeed, it's such an easy action item. First of all, this is just a shout out because orgs who like put these together, these pre-written letters and all the infrastructure in place is literally just like, it's literally a letter. You can read it too. If you want plug in your information, press send. It took me maybe 30 seconds or less. So we love a really quick, easy action item that is impactful. And this is just one of those. So go to the episode description and click on in and send your letter. But that's your action item of the day. I love mm-hmm. to see it. Well, do you want to introduce our amazing guest? I do. <laughs> we always we also went off yesterday in our top stories yeah. at the end introducing her there, but time for a rewind because we gotta without further ado this moment and get it going because this is an amazing interview and one that we are truly obsessed with. It's one of those that we're gonna like not stop raving about. It's it's just one of those. A thousand percent. And this interview is with Arkansas minority leader, Tibby McCullough. She is iconic, a slay, amazing, and walks us through Arkansas politics. What's going on there? What the culture has been previously, what it is now, what she sees happening, what needs to happen. And of course, we talk about all of the anti-trans bills, anti-LGBT QA bills that are going on and being introduced in Arkansas and what that has looked like, including sort of a roadmap for other states, unfortunately. So we analogy, reality show analogy. Perfect, perfect moment for that, guys. Exactly. The producers are in the mix and so is this interview. So without further ado, here is Minority Leader Tippi McCullough. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. 
If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing premixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. Well, we are excited to welcome Arkansas State House Minority Leader Tippi McCullough to the show. We're going to be going down a lot of rabbit holes, which is funny because you're just talking about rabbit holes moments ago. But nonetheless, 
Welcome to the show. And if you wouldn't mind starting off by telling us a little bit about your district, what's the demographic like? What's the what's the lay of the land? Thank you, Samantha and Maddie, for having me. My district is District 74 in Little Rock, Arkansas. Demographic-wise, I represent about 30,000 people, a little over that. 69% is white, 31% is a mix of minorities, 20, 21% of that being being black. It's Republicans, that's 71%, and Republicans are 26%, and which is this... It, I'm one of the maybe two or three blue spots in Arkansas. Mm. Well, zooming out to Arkansas as a whole, can you kind of describe the political landscape there? What is it like? Give us that run through as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, it seems like no matter what race we run on the state level here in Little Rock, I mean, here in Arkansas, we, we get around 30 something percent of votes in our state races. Right now in our legislature, there are 18 of us that are Democrats out of 100 in the House, and there are six Democrats out of 35 in the Senate, and redistricting also pushed that number lower. We went from 22 in the House to 18, and we went from, I think it was only like eight in the Senate, you know, down to six, and one of those got drawn out, and the other one lost, but yeah, I mean, that... We're in a, when 12, 15 years ago, I grew up in a totally blue state. It Mm, was blue as blue can be. The last 12 years or so is, that's how far it has shifted. That is wild. What, I mean, I'm sure there are more than one, you know, there's more than one factor here, but is there anything in particular that's really caused this shift? And I feel like from an outsider's perspective, like it feels like a really extreme shift. Am I getting that right of like what I'm sort of seeing, you know, pop up in the news and whatnot? No, I think you're right. Arkansas is, I don't think so much as a red state, but it's a non-voting state. We have one of the low, I think we may be the lowest voter turnout of any state. So that is, that is of course, one of the biggest issues. And also we've seen this, cultural shift happened throughout the South. And Arkansas was one of the last states really, we're kind of like that. It takes forever for something to come from the West Coast. It takes forever for something to come from <laughs> the East Coast. We're right here in the middle. But the yeah. everything that shifted slowly red throughout the South kind of came to Arkansas last. And all, I think a lot of this was on the coattails. Some of it's been redistricting, but a lot of it has been, I think, a little bit of backlash to, you know, we had we had Bill and Hillary Clinton out there and, of course, Barack and Michelle Obama. And I think a lot of that has, has shifted things in the South. Religion plays a big role in the South. And that they have, I think the Republicans have used a lot of the culture wars. They've used a lot of religion, mm. fear-mongering to kind of push us into a, more of a red state. Arkansas was always kind of independent. And I, th- I always thought we kind of fought for ourselves. And now we've just become one of those copycat states that takes a bill from another Southern state. We're, you know, we run it through here also. So it's, yeah. it's been a huge shift. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that, that kind of history behind the power shift in Arkansas, but that's really interesting to think about. But we also are curious, too, what it's like being in the state legislature with, you know, such a minority. You know, how do you even go about introducing Democratic bills in such a heavily read legislature? Yeah, I think um, most of us agree 
on 80, 90% of issues, you know, we all vote a lot of bills through just the same and agree on a lot of things. But we, we have certain issues here in Arkansas that we, we really don't agree on. And so those make it a little tougher. I think as Arkansas has turned red, we've always, as Democrats, believed we just have to build relationships and we just have to talk to each other. Because in, yeah. honestly, we all have a lot more in common than we do that's different when we start yeah. talking. Arkansas is like a lot of small states. I start talking to somebody. They know somebody that I know. They went to yeah. school with them. I mean, you start, there's just no degrees of separation almost. But, you know, we, when I started out, this is, I'm going into my third term. And when I started out, I was just like, I just need to build relationships. I need to let people get to know me and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And part of that is true. Republicans do support some of our bills. But when we get into these things where Democrats could get credit for something maybe that's a little bit bigger, I mean, that's just not going to happen here if, if, if they can help it most of the time. They might work with us. They might run the bill and let us co-sponsor support. But, you know, often if we can get something good done and a Republican wants to run it, we would do that. But we're in kind of a particular spot right now here in Arkansas. We have a new, new governor, I'm sure as you guys well know, and a new administration. And I think we're starting to see, especially with some of the Supreme Court changes and stuff with Roe v. Wade, we're hearing from lots of women when we knock on doors that aren't happy about that, whether they're Republican yeah. or Democrat. So I think this time we're trying to push back a little bit more than we have. We're still, we haven't been the minority that long. So we been trying to find our feet, you know, how do we operate as the minority, along with how do we get back in the majority? Yeah. We have, there's a super majority here. So that's another thing. We can't stop anything. If we could get up to 26 in the House out of 100, then we could at least hold budgets. And we could, you know, when there were big votes that needed a certain percentage, we could do something. But that's kind of where we are right now. Wow. So it's literally the strategy that I feel like most of us use with men, which is convincing them that something was their idea and then having them run for it and take credit and being like, great, well, it got done. So a little bit of reverse psychology, maybe. (laughs) That's the best explanation I've heard, I think, so far. That's great. I love it. Yeah, It's just sometimes it's those analogies that just like pop up. And that's immediately what I was thinking of. But it also got me thinking in terms of what you were saying about like the future here and organizing and what can be done, especially with young people. We have a bunch of young Arkansas listeners, and I know they really want to get more involved and figure out how they can create change. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and what infrastructure needs to be built out in Arkansas to make that happen and bring it back to blue. Yeah. Um, I mean, here, I, I mean, I, I taught I taught English for 33 years in high school and coached basketball. And and I believe that is the answer to Arkansas and the future in Arkansas are the young people. One of the things that worries me, though, is that we I, I see some of our young people leaving the state and maybe not coming back. Or we're seeing a little bit of a brain drain in some mm-hmm. ways. And, you know, you want to have a state that's progressive enough that young families want to come in and they want their kids to go to our you know good schools here. And they want to put down roots and people go off, get their education, but you want them to come back, you know, to make Mm -hmm. our state better. So we are seeing a lot of that. One of the efforts that the Democratic Party here is undertaking is to find ways to get young people more involved, to get them on every level. We've got the youngest mayor in the United States in Arkansas right now. He's a young black man. And so we're really excited about that. So we're doing things like that. Also, former Senate 
Joyce Elliott, if you guys don't know about her, she is an icon here in Arkansas. She's a black woman. She was a, a rep for a long time and she was, well, she was a teacher first and she was a rep and she just turned out as Senator and she is amazing and eloquent and smart. She's got a new organization called Get Loud Arkansas and it is a voter turnout and a voter registration group that she's running now since she turned out. And so we're super excited about that. If anything, if, if anybody can get young people involved and motivated and out voting and out running for office, I believe it's Senator Joyce Elliott. Mm-hmm. We will definitely be sending people her way. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Love. I also had a question too, just about turnout. We mentioned that it's just not a big voter state voting state. Can you kind of explain a little more about that and, you know, why that's the case? You know, I wish I had the complete answer to that. I think a lot of it is just, we're a very rural state. Um, we have just a few urban areas and, and, and that's also one of the reasons I think I didn't add that in. I don't think with how we turned red that, you know, it's kind of an urban rural kind of argument. Our blue, our urban areas being more blue and our rural areas being more red. And so I think that that's got a lot to do with it is just not not being engaged, being frustrated with politics. Once again, I always thought national politics didn't enter enter into things too much here in Arkansas. But now that's that's all my Republican counterparts seem to talk about is the federal government, how bad it is. And, you know, Joe Biden and um, that that we need to be doing our own pushing back against federal laws and all that kind of thing. But I, I you know, I don't know. Sometimes I think we, we also don't. Well, I'm not even going to go. I was going to go into college degrees, but I'm not sure that that's even why. It's just a, a lack of interest in it. And maybe distrust that stems from some of the stuff that started nationally, the big divide. And then mm-hmm. some of that, you know, rolling into here, because in some districts here in Arkansas, all of our districts have the same amount of people in them. But you may have. um I mean, in my district with 30,000 people, 16,000 might turn out to vote. But in a a small rural district, you might have a thousand and something show up out of those 30,000. And so that's it's a really small amount of people electing, you know, people to serve those 30,000. If those all those 30,000 aren't having their voice heard, who knows? Yeah, that's so interesting. And we just had another conversation today just about about Texas, too, and how there's such a lack of investment of, you know, Democratic infrastructure in some of these red states who are just presumed red. It's like, okay, we're not going to go. They're not going to touch it. But it's I think there's so much work to be laid down in some of these red states, especially if there's low voter turnout and voter suppression happening like there is a lot of change that can be made. And I think just because, you know, states are seemingly so red that nobody wants to go there or spend resources there. But I just think it'd be so interesting to see, you know, what could happen if there is investment in some of these states and getting people, you know, educated and turned out to vote, like what could happen? No, I agree. You know, and we've all watched the Georgia model with Stacey Mm -hmm. Abrams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've all watched that. Arkansas, I think with their lessons to be learned from that, we just don't have an Atlanta, you know, Little Rock's not big enough to, to be like Atlanta. And so I think we can certainly learn some lessons from their playbook. And but we, we've got to also find our own way because we just don't compare, you know, numbers yeah. wise that way. Yeah. And demographically, we just right. don't compare. Yeah. Right. That is super interesting to think about how Atlanta particularly impacts that entire equation and like 
what that means, like the application of strategies has to be different in a state that's more rural versus more urban or even suburban somewhere in between. It's definitely it's not like a one, sh- you know, one size fits all policy. And I think Democrats typically try and do that because it feels easy. It feels like, OK, like, sure, it's worked here. And then if it requires them to get creative, it seems to be like, nah. yeah, well, if they have to like break the status quo or, right. you know, go against what they know is like strategic, which is, you know, go to Michigan, go to these like places they know that they can win or that's that are toss ups. But it's just unfortunate that that's, you know, the status quo of strategy and how so many places kind of get left in the dust because of that. The Abrams, you know, said that she thought, you know, I've read her books and things, but she said, you know, you also have to have a strong Democratic Party. She still believes that. And that's that was also a little bit of an issue. Our party had kind of died down a good little bit and everything. And we've, we've got a new chair and he's raised so much more money and he's doing so many more exciting things. They have a great staff and you know, I just got to say, Joe Biden knocked it out of the park on the State of the Union address. And he's doing there's lots of good things for us to tout that he's doing and things that help our Kansans. The infrastructure stuff is really going to help our Kansans in a lot of ways. So you know, we're, all, we're not very good at tooting our own horns or publicizing the good that we're doing. And, you know, as as Democrats here, especially I think feel like my first two sessions, we're back on our heels a lot. We're always reacting to what's yeah. going on. And this session, probably more than ever, we've tried to be more proactive than just always reacting. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Well, speaking of being back in session, there are some not so great bills that have been proposed, including one involving transgender students and restricting their bathroom choice, which is HB 1156. Can you tell us a little bit about this bill, what the intent is, and also just sort of the status of it? Yeah, we are. We have had these bills. We had some really bad ones last session, especially dealing with trans youth medical care. And often all the other states get talked about when we were the first state to do some of this. As a matter of fact, with the trans youth medical one, our governor vetoed it. Governor Hutchinson vetoed that bill after it passed. And you know why? Because he met with those kids. He met with their parents. He met with their doctors. And he, it, it changed his mind about how he felt about it. He vetoed it. Of course, we overrode that veto and it, it ended up passing. But yeah, with this bathroom bill, you know, this is, this once again is not something new. You know, North Carolina dealt with this a long time ago. But this in particular, Conway High School, which is just outside of Little Rock, about 20 minutes from Little Rock, started having some, some issues. And so they came in and our legislator drafted a bill. They came in and testified, and it was basically where transgender students have to have their, <laughs> it's almost separate but equal bathroom, and they are to to keep them from being in just the general bathroom. And, you know, our, our whole argument about all of that is that these kids, if you want to protect children and you care about all kids, and, I mean, you care about kids, you have to care about all kids. Right. And these transgender kids are in real vulnerable positions. They're going through a vulnerable time in their life. And I mean, I was like I told you guys, I taught for 33 years. And honestly, this is not a problem. <laughs> this is just not a problem. This is not a problem for kids. If anything, it's it can be dangerous, you know, to the, the transgender kids. It is not hurting the other kids. Kids go into the bathroom, especially in the girls' bathroom, where they're so worried that something's going to happen in the girls' bathroom. There are stalls. Girls go into stalls. I mean, they shut the door. Transgender Mm -hmm. girls would go into stalls and shut the door. 
And, you know, we had something really, I don't know if you guys have heard about it, had something really bad happen in the Senate the other day in our Senate judiciary meeting. Have you guys heard about it? I think I saw the clip. I think I saw a clip too, but remind me just... Yeah, so it was a medical, it's a medical malpractice bill where if you, if you are a transgender kid and something's done to you and 15, well, 30 years from then that you're upset because you can't perform sexually or whatever, then you can sue the doctor. Basically, it's a medical malpractice. So we had a transgender woman, a pharmacist here in Little Rock that was testifying and one of the senators at one point just said, ask her if she has a penis. I did just say that you have a penis. Yeah. It's yeah. the worst thing. I've, it, it's the worst thing I've, I've ever seen ever. Yeah. She handled it very well, but there were groans, you know, in the committee room. And anyways, it's a really sad thing to happen here in Arkansas. That's mm-hmm. not how most of us treat people up here, Republican or Democrat. So it was very disappointing. But with this bathroom bill, it has passed through the House. It, it went through House education and passed. It's been on the floor here and passed. It was just got out of House education, I mean, Senate education today, I believe. And so it will be on the floor next week. And, and, it, and it, will, it will pass on the floor. And when the governor gets it, she will sign it. We we what what happens here in Arkansas doesn't matter if it's unconstitutional. It doesn't matter what's been done in the courts. They're willing to take it to court. And the trans youth medical bill is we're still waiting on the decision here in Little Rock from Judge Moody about that, that about that about that law. And so we still have a lot of things up in there. What what yeah. we say often is thank God for the ACLU because they're always there. Yeah. They have a very you know active great group with them and you know we we just know a lot of these things are going into lawsuit but you guys what's so bad is that um I mean these are real people these are kids these are children their parents care about them like any other parent and what we what we want them to know is that this is not how everyone feels about you you have yeah. people up here that we don't have enough numbers, but you have people up here that care about you, that love you, that want you to have a successful life as everybody else. And, you know, but that's hard. I mean, it's just hard. I mean, I grew, I don't know if y'all know my story and how I got into politics. I would taught for 28 years and I was about to go marry my partner who I'd been with for 14 years when marriage started becoming legal. We went to New Mexico. We're on our way to the Grand Canyon. And my school called and asked me if I was getting married. We had just gotten married in Albuquerque, New Mexico. About 30 minutes later, my school called and said, are you getting married? And I said, why do you want to know? And they said, because if you are, you're going to be fired. And so I got fired. I got fired for marrying my partner, Barbara. And we we came back. Human rights campaign had a big um, press conference for us here. Chad Griffin, who was the head of the human rights campaign at the Times from Arkansas, from Hope, Arkansas. And so I know him and he came and we did all of that. We traveled all all over the South. Barbara and I did, you know, talking about what happened to us at the human rights campaign galas. And anyway, I I got rehired. It was a really hard time. It was traumatic. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never been fired from anything in my life. And anyway, Pulaski County hired me for a little bit. It was in October and then Central High School had an English job open up a semester and the principal called me and hired me. And then I worked there for the last five years of my career. And then this seat came open. And by that time, I'd started getting more involved with the party, more involved with the teachers union, more involved in my neighborhood, just more involved in every way I possibly could. 
And then when the seat opened up, I thought it's kind of now or never. And so I jumped yeah. into politics. I have a uh, question about the like sort of like the mentality when you get fired in on such fucked up terms and then you're fighting to, you know, obviously get the job back and then you win and you get to go back. Like, how does that feel like walking down the halls, like actually operating? Because like, I think there's obviously the fighting back in the lawsuit and being like, yeah, this is what's right. Thank you. Bye. But then actually being back in the space with these people that I that are kind of, in my eyes, toxic based on their behavior of what they did in the first place. Like, what is that like? You know, I was telling somebody today, it can can make you feel very compartmentalized in a lot of ways. I, w- I consider, I mean, last last term when every, a lot of these bills were going through, the transmedical and the transports and all those kinds of things, I had no less than 10 people come up to me after every one of those bills passed and they would say, you know, we love you, Tippy, but, <laughs> and I would say to them, I think you feel something about me. I don't think it's love, but I said, let's get together when this is over. Let's get together and talk. And some of them have taken me up on that. And, and I still feel like you're in Arkansas and, and, and anywhere. It's it's about people getting to know you and building relationships. But you guys, this is, poli- it, it's it to me, it's politics. I don't believe everybody that votes yeah. for these things. I don't believe that's how they feel. I really don't. There are some people that maybe have never been exposed to an LGBTQ person. I don't know, possibly. I don't know how in this day and time even in your own family. But I don't think everybody feels like that. It's a political thing here. There's a group called Conduit for Action and people that voted the right way on Republicans that voted the right way on those bills, they primaried them and they beat them. We had two or three Republicans that voted the right way on a couple of those bills and they're not here anymore. Wow. And that's a lot of, of Republicans are afraid in their own words, to not be able to come back and do the good they do if they take those votes and don't come back here. But honestly, that goes back to the question you just asked me. I've I've told a couple of them, I say, I really like y'all, but I'd almost rather have somebody in that seat that I can't stand making that bad vote than somebody that I like and not being able to understand how you could take that vote. So right now it's politics and it's about getting reelected. And that's a, a really... I really said, I'm not saying there aren't some folks that really believe yeah. that what they're doing, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's the majority at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. First, thank you for sharing your story. I think that's such a compelling one and yeah, it's just so interesting too. And it always makes me think just about a lot of these really heinous policies that come out of the States and then now have even, I feel like gone up to just federal rhetoric i'm just like is it it's like the chicken for the egg i don't know whether it's like the voters that are making the politicians act this way or the politicians are making the voters you know want this i'm just i it's so baffling to me and i i don't understand and i think it also probably is an ode to like being in california and not even (laughs) understanding culture out there but it's just it's interesting i don't know if you have any ideas of what what you think kind of came first or how And then hopefully, you know, understanding that could also possibly help us find solutions as to how to get people on the kind of right page as far as just not thinking this way about certain groups of people. I just think it's it's crazy to me and I don't understand it. It's really hard to wrap your head around. I think President Trump drove a lot of this. 
you know, where it was okay to, to do or say or vote, you know, in any way. And you didn't have to justify it. You didn't have to necessarily have facts that we could all agree on. Everybody has their own set of facts now, which just blows my mind. I was talking to somebody today that said, we're talking about the educational landscape here in Arkansas right now with the governor, you know, about to bring her big omnibus education bill that's going to change the face of education in Arkansas, I believe in a negative way. But that's what he said. Well, you've got your data and I've got my data. And I'm like, but why is they're not the data? <laughs> why is right. it mine or yours? You know, right. And I think that's I think that's really hard. But, you know, once again, this is I, th- I think it's it started before Trump, of course, in Arkansas, it started a little bit before Trump. But now I would say in Arkansas, there's a small but really loud group that drives our politics here, like that one group that I'm talking about. And it, it really drives things because they're loud, even though it's a smaller number. I don't believe most people are like that. Even in our legislature in the House, I, I believe there's, you know, probably about 30, 30% or so of really far right Republicans that that also, you know, I, I often feel like that if the more moderate Republicans could get, get together with us, we could do some really great things. And you know, that's what we've got to finally get toward. I think where we all, I mean, it's fine. If we all have to move, move to the middle. I mean, most of us, I would, well, I would have always thought I was liberal, far left, but I'm not, I'm, pr- I'm pretty moderate when it comes yeah. down to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not asking for too much. Just like, right. <laughs> it's literally the bar is low. The bar is low. But y'all, oh. Arkansas is a great state. It's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. You ever, have you ever been here? I have not. I have not. Yeah. I would love to. I mean, if you get a chance, you know, come. I mean, we we've had Bill and Bill Clinton come out of here. We've had Maya Angelou. I mean, we've had we've had all these people come out of here, and it's a beautiful place. If you ever get get to come here, yeah, we'd love to field trip, field trip. <laughs> Put on our list. Well, before we get to that, though, we do have to talk about another bill that's been popping up. Unfortunately, also in. The not so great category. And this is relating to drag shows. And we've seen not just in Arkansas, Tennessee has really been unfortunately leading the charge on this of trying to, you know, ban drag shows, making them criminal acts, somehow trying to attach it to, you know, sexual acts, just really wild stuff. And just want to get the sort of the scoop on what this bill is, where it stands, and, you know, also what people can do to try and fight it. Yeah, this this bill, I think, was a I think it's been an attack on on drag queens becoming a little more mainstream and going into the libraries and doing the the reading to kids in the libraries and things like that. I think that's been the backlash here in Arkansas, which is also further. Now there's a backlash against libraries also. I, I think that's part of it. But yeah, this bill at first, it was actually the drag queen bill, basically, and it was very targeted toward drag queens. And along the way, and I'm not saying anything out of turn, the bill sponsor said that our attorney general, Tim Griffin, and the governor wanted her to change the bill in some ways. And so our drag queens here, I think, kind of declared victory or LGBTQ community. And I kind of felt the same way because they, they were up here and they were testifying and all that kind of stuff. And the bill was terrible. I mean, it's just terrible on so many levels. And so it kind of felt like a victory until the sponsor, Republican Mary Bentley, presented it on the House floor. And even though it said nothing about drag queens anymore, she uh, that's all she talked about were drag, drag queens. 
So it was almost like you can take the drag queens out of the bill, but you can't take them out of Representative Mary Bentley's mouth. So <laughs> we, so we, with this new bill, it's, it's very vague. It's very, I mean, we've asked questions over and over, you know, can these certain, can Chicago come, can, can the, you know, musical Chicago come and perform in Arkansas? You know, we've asked about Tootsie. We've asked about, I mean, everything you can think. Can Shakespeare plays be performed? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the language, I've never heard so much talk about obscenity here in Arkansas. And also Representative Bentley in her testimony on the House floor or in her speech to pass the bill, she said that in Batesville, Arkansas, which is a smaller town up in north of Little Rock, at their pride parade, she said that her constituents told her, or no, somebody had moved from somewhere else to Arkansas. And they just wanted to live this great quiet life in Batesville. It's a beautiful little town. And said they took their kids there and that the drag queens were exposing their genitals. Well, I was there. I was at that pride event. There were police there. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it was just, you know, some isolated event. It was there in the town. And I was there and that did not happen. I mean, it just did not. And so right now there's a, I don't know if, if they don't want their kids exposed to a broader way of thinking or living or different ideas. I don't know if that's just what it is or, or not, but, but anyway, yeah, the, the drag queen bill is in a lot of ways we've looked at it and we're not even sure it does that much because you really have to pretty much expose genitals. You, you, it does say semi nude, which that could be wearing a bikini. It is considered that. Yeah, Like we, where do you draw looked, the line? Yeah, we've looked at all these terms and everything, and I don't know. Part of me is I don't think it's going to affect life too much here, but the other part of me is it affects how people feel. It affects the attacks that's being put upon them, and it 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 other people watch our state. People that might think about moving here might not because they think you know that this is not the kind of you know we we've got hungry kids here in Arkansas. We've got yeah. all kinds of things going on, and this is what we're right. spending all of our time on, and also. I mean, I've said it over and over and over. If you take all the trans people in Arkansas, it's a small number. And then you take all the trans kids in Arkansas, that's a smaller number. And then you take all the trans female kids, when we were talking about trans sports, trans female in sports, that's even a smaller number. And there has been nobody that this is, there's been no instance of this. And most of this stuff that's happening, we ask over and over, can you tell me why? Has this happened in Arkansas? No, but it happened in Texas. And I told I told one of the sponsors the other day, I said, I don't give a crap what happens in Texas. I care about what happens here, and this is not happening here. Yeah, well, we got to protect the children. We got to stay ahead of it. You know, it's crazy that yeah, there's some you know isolated event that isn't even a, I I wouldn't deem a real danger yet. You know, we have mass shootings happening all the time and children dying from that yet there's no movement you know there's no like oh well that happened over there so we should really you know take measures here to prevent it it's like where is that energy for all these other issues you know and it's just so frustrating and you know i'm also curious too if you know with this bill Same with the Protect the Children Act. Is there like much religious motive there? Can you kind of explain? Is that part of kind of the argument for them making their case on some of these some of these bills? Is is religion a big driver? It is, and we've heard Bible verses. You know, uh, one of my goals was 
when somebody, every session, someone gets up and says 10 Bible verses and I've stood up and objected to it. But, you know, my, my plan this time is I'm just going to get 10 Shakespeare <laughs> quotes or something. And I'm Obsessed. just, okay, all right, if we're going to quote, let's just, you know, let's spread this quoting out. But yeah, it, it, it does, I think, or at least that's the line of argument that comes into it often. Arkansas is, a, you know, a pretty, pretty religious state, although like I think most of the country, there are less and less people going to church less and less young people being religious. So I think this can also have a, it may work differently than they think. Instead of keeping everybody religious, it may turn, you know, a lot lot of more folks or young people against religion. So it could also backfire on them also. And um, I still think, you know, with, with all this power, with absolute power, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I do think that when sometimes it's not good to be able to do anything you want because you just don't have enough pushback. You don't have enough to temper. You don't have enough to defeat some maybe bad ideas, enough votes in our legislature. And I think at some point you start making too many mistakes because if you're not careful, you can get power drunk and you can let things get out of control. And, you know, I think that's a possibility of happening here. And maybe we have to go so far. And, and things, and, and I don't want this to happen, but things have to get so bad that at some point it just, it turns back. It comes back at least toward the middle and we start to balance things out a little bit because you just can't, you can't sustain that kind of, you know, thinking. Yeah. There's like no checks and balances situation. It's just a free for all. I think it also reminds me of like what you're saying, because apparently I'm on an analogy role today. But like, you know, those parents that are so strict, they never let their kids go hang out with their friends. If they're a minute over curfew, they're grounded for six months, like one of those situations. And then those kids are always the most rebellious. They are absolutely the ones like you've seen them freshman year. They're absolutely the most wild, unhinged people, sometimes in a great way, though, but like out of their minds. And it's ironic because it's like the parents, all they wanted was these like really straight laced, you know, on the straight narrow kids and their own behavior actually caused the opposite. So I feel like there maybe, you know, to your point, there's some of that going on here and hopefully there will be a turnaround point because I think, you know, some of these bills are so, so scary. And, you know, it's like I, I feel like every day we're playing as like the viewer, you know, obviously not from being in the state, but being like oh my God, what can, what awful thing can they come up with next? Yeah. And we've got another bathroom bill that's been filed. It's bathrooms in general, not just in schools. Yeah. They, they continue to keep coming and, and religion played a part in my firing. It was an all girls Catholic school that I got fired from. So I, I didn't, you know, there was nothing I could, there was no way to do a lawsuit or anything. So yeah, I think a lot of it's, and I went to a Baptist university, Washita Baptist university here in Arkansas. And, you know, the preacher's kids were the wildest ones that were there, you know? So I, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, with all of this said, what are some things people can do, I guess, to help you in your work combating some of this stuff or just any solutions that you, that you see and hope for that, you know, maybe people can also help get behind. Yeah, I was in hot springs, Arkansas last night talking to a group of Democrats and, you know, they're asking the same types of questions. What, what can we do? And it's still very important here as far as our Kansans have to keep writing and emailing and showing up at the Capitol to testify. And, and so those, all those things are always going to be important and we've got to get out and vote. 
we've got to get good candidates and we've got to get out and vote. But also shows like yours, I, th- I think media exposure does help. And that's why I get so frustrated sometimes. But because I feel like Arkansas can do the same thing as Texas and Georgia and Alabama and Florida. And we don't get mentioned in the, the yeah. conversation in the newspaper, on the media or anything. And that gets a little bit frustrating Frustrating because I'm like, we were the first ones to do this. And they didn't even mention us. No, that's you know? so true. It's always yeah. Texas and, and Florida. I feel like that's. It getting, is. Yeah. It is. And that's frustrating. And of course, we have Florida's education guy, Sanders, hired him from them. We have somebody from Arizona here doing corrections. And so, you know, we've got people coming in from other states. So we kind of have a preview of what could happen in Arkansas because of what's happened in these other states. But sometimes, you know, things happen that we have taken from other states. Somebody has taken from other states, but we've had we've been the first on some of these. And so it's frustrating. So I appreciate you guys and others. You know, I know y'all can't vote in Arkansas. But I think shows like yours make a difference. And I think especially for young people in Arkansas listening to this, that hopefully it can motivate them and that they know that there are so many, so many things they can do. And we, we've got a plan. I mean, the plan is to take the Republicans playbook to a certain extent for how they took over. And what yeah. they did, they started with school board, justice of the peace, quorum court, city directors and mayors. They started building that bench and just electing you know, people. And, and then you had that, that bench of people that had a title and it all, they also had a political experience and had a certain amount of following. And then you just keep working and keep working until you can do that. And then I think we're also doing a better job of the issues and the votes. I think we're doing a better job of, of figuring out how to message that the, the party here in Arkansas is doing a great job of helping us message and get media attention and talk to, you know, whether it's print or, or television or whatever it is or podcast or whatever. I just, I'm, I'm so grateful for you guys for, for finding me and talking to me today. Of course. Of course. So we're happy to have you on and this has been a great conversation and such an important one and definitely something we love to highlight. Like the other week, we, did we talk about in Arkansas, Bill, in our little solo episode? We might have. There's but so many. You know, I have amnesia and if it's yeah, within like... I don't know if it's further than six days away. I'm, I'm we have the it. worst memory, the two of us. It's Bad. not it's not the best. <laughs> but we, you know, we we think it's so important to talk about all of these bills because they're happening all over the place in many different states, not just Texas and Florida. So, yeah, I think it's so important to highlight, you know, that work that's been put in by the GOP at the state level and how it's time for people to start paying attention to all of that. So super um, excited to have you. on. Also, side note, I realized it wasn't in the episode. It was in our newsletter. I remembered something. Oh. Yeah. There, there it is. Just for the record. Just for the yeah. record. <laughs> yeah. But what uh, she's yeah. said, it's been great having you on and you are welcome back anytime. So please keep us in the loop on everything Arkansas. Oh, definitely. Thank you guys so, so much.